Shirts is in your ear. We're in your ear. Banter in the blue shirts is in your ear. And we're in your ear. We're in your ear. We're in your ear right now. Mike. Joe, stop. Beth. <laughs> Nothing. Neither of you. All right. Well, you know what? This is why you don't just start <laughs> impromptu song to begin the podcast without warning your two co-hosts that you're doing it. But I wanted to go no. there because I wanted you all to smile because... Every podcast, Mike, Beth, and I get on the phone about 10 minutes before it starts. Just kind of run through the game plan for what we're going to do uh, on the show for all of you people. And today, we went from being happy to spitting fire at one another over some of the things that we're going to talk about. And I figured I needed to uh, cheer everybody up. So, uh, Beth, Michael, how are you guys doing today? I'm doing <laughs> fine, Bill. Just fine. I'm feeling... Um... Smart, calm, and positive about everything. Good, good. No, no insinuations there. Um, all right, we have a lot to talk about today, actually. Since we last spoke to all of you, the New York Rangers are 2-2, two and two, which doesn't sound very good. But shockingly, this is a uh, very different team than I think we thought it was going to be. Uh, I will give Beth a ton of credit for this. I don't remember whether or not it was against the blues or um, afterwards, but we have a Twitter chat that we all do where we DM each other just to kind of stay in contact for the website. And Beth was like, so I have some thoughts that maybe we were wrong about how competitive this team can be. And I also have some thoughts about how competitive this team will be. But Beth, since you started us off, were we wrong about maybe how good the Rangers are going to be this year? Uh, we didn't anticipate <laughs> – see, that's the thing with two losses, hard to say. But, again, they shouldn't have been losses. Two goalies standing on their head. We did not anticipate how gorgeous, just what a pleasure this offense was going to be to watch. I mean, how much fun is it? We're Rangers fans. We keep waiting for the downside. And, and with this team that we're watching right now out there, it come. The passing is gorgeous. We're screaming, okay, and and yes, a lot of things haven't haven't gone in the net. But when it comes to when it looks that good, zone exits, zone entries, um, shots on goal. I mean, almost at this stage in the season, I'm allowed to say, who cares? They are putting holes in goalies. So many shots and so many gorgeous plays. And yeah, I mean. I we all knew that they they were stacked up front. I don't think I did not anticipate just what an absolute joy watching this offense was going to be, and I didn't anticipate um, how well the the transitions were going to work. They are getting the puck up there. I think you know. I think when this um, we started to realize that the offense was really good. I remember us making jokes about yeah, well. That's another person who's going to be sitting there waiting for the D to clear the puck, you know, and that's, that's not what we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of movement. We're seeing a lot of possession and they have been, we haven't gotten a couple of wins that we should have gotten, but there have been some gorgeous games and some beautiful play. 
Mike, are you as calm, positive, and happy about the Rangers as Beth is? Uh, I think so. I, I think there's just there's now this weird um, these weird questions about you know who's going to be coming in and out of the lineup here that you know makes makes some people nervous. But it's it's hard to it's hard to think about being this excited about a two and two start um, before the season happened. But you know, in terms of what we've seen, especially on in five on five play, I think the Rangers are either second or third in expected goals for and are fourth in the league in in generating shots right now. So there's a lot of really, really promising signs that I don't really know what to do with because <laughs> I wasn't expecting things to look quite so good. It was one of those things where on paper it sounded great to have four lines that could score. Like, yeah, on paper, you know, Peary and – you know, having speed up and down the lineup, that all sounds good, but things barely translate. And you don't get to really see things pan out uh, like like it looks on paper a lot when you're building a team as anyone who's played, you know, EA Sports, NHL knows. But the the early signs here are really good. And if not for a goofy play behind the net from Hank in Detroit and yeah. – or against Detroit, and then, you know, just Jimmy Howard, I don't even, it's not even turning back the clock to when he was a, a respectable goaltender, you know. It, we didn't see that sort of Jimmy Howard before. So if it if it takes goaltenders, you know, having the game of their career to, to steal some early games from the Rangers here, I'll take it. Last year, the Rangers went, the Rangers were 16-3 and 2, I believe, while playing like crap. So, for them to be 2 and 2 and playing really well, I think is a, a really good sign. And some of the things that I've tried to talk about when I'm recapping these games is you'd rather the Rangers play really well and lose cuz that's the unsustainable aspect of that formula is continuing to lose then play really bad and win because the unsustainable part of that is the winning. And that's exactly what happened last year for the Rangers. I think this offense is so much faster than I thought we thought it was going to be. I think it's so much more lethal than we thought it was going to be. And I know that sounds stupid uh, coming after the Rangers just lost in which they have like a million scoring attempts and couldn't put the puck in the back of the net. But these forwards are very capable of getting back, and starting transition from the defense. The biggest part of last year that was an epic failure was the fact that the Rangers defense could not move the puck with the barring a couple of players through the neutral zone to transition defense into offense. This year, the Rangers offense can do all of that themselves. So many breakouts in the offensive zone or from the defensive zone are starting from the offense. Now, the question is whether or not that will be sustainable. I think teams will have an easier time choking off the transition lanes when there's not as many forwards who are capable of taking transition passes in the neutral zone. But for right now, it's working. And the other thing that you really love to see is the Rangers are so fast that they can try this crazy stuff in the offensive zone and still get back in time to defend in the defensive zone if it doesn't work. And we have not seen that in the past. Part of the love affair with Derek Broussard was all the great things he did in the offensive zone. 
Derek Broussard really wasn't as committed in the defensive zone as maybe he should have been. And I, I don't mean that from the standpoint yeah, of yeah. he didn't want to play defense. I just don't think he was as good as he could have been. And on the flip side, Mika Zibanejad is awesome in the offensive zone, and he has been a wonder in his own end. We're going to get into some of the Rangers' leading possession players, but and again, take all of these grain, these stats with a grain of salt because we are talking about a four-game sample size. But Zibanejad is rocking a 64% Corsi. Obviously, he's not going to keep up that pace, but even the 55 range is very good. So to be 10 points above that is even better. And that entire line has just, I mean, Kreider's at 67%. Buchnevich through two games is at 64%. It's, it, they're that good. And I don't think we expected the Rangers offense to be that good on both sides of the ice. So is it just Zibinijad? Is it VC, Buchnevich and Zibinijad? Is it the fact that the Rangers, it, it's those three players, then there's a new look monster Chris Kreider, uh, developing uh, JT Miller and a new focused Kevin Klein or Kevin Klein, um, Kevin Hayes. There, there's so many variables. You talk about how young the Rangers have been and how you need them to grow. You need the youth to grow because if they take that next step, the Rangers are going to be that much better. And to see Hayes and Miller kind of take those next steps and then see guys like Kreider and Nash, who I think has been fantastic, just become totally new players almost and factor in the new guys in Zibanejad, Buchnevich, and VC. you have a lineup that is wildly different than you had last year. And I don't see a ton of flaws in what the Rangers have put together. Uh, you know, uh, you'd love to get Buchnevich back in there because that line, uh, Beth is going to have thoughts. I'm going to let her speak on them in a moment. I think that line is very explosive. Beth doesn't mind it with, I don't mind it with Nash either, but she likes Nash on that line. Um, but really top to bottom, could you have ever expected the Rangers to be this explosive? And I think the answer was no. And if you asked, if you thought the Rangers could be this explosive and this taken care of in their own zone, this put together, I think the answer would have been no to that too. Now, the real question becomes, is it sustainable that the Rangers' offense will be generated by the forwards rather than the defense? And that's sort of the million-dollar question. But, Beth, you can, you can kind of take it from there. I mean, I don't see anything that isn't sustainable because when I think about sustainability, I think about early last season when we were winning games by luck. Um, and PDO through the roof and just knowing that that wasn't sustainable, even though it went on for a while to me, looks like skill. This to me looks like organization. Um, so again, depending on, I think, you know, we're going to talk about what happens on defense. I mean, this does look sustainable to me because this looks right now, like what these guys can do. And I don't really see any reason why they're going to stop doing it. Um, I mean, Hayes is definitely back. I feel like we didn't see these hands from him for a lot of last year. But, oh, my God, that play last night when what's-his-name Snow Angel passed him and he just held it and waited and then took the shot. I mean, yeah, it didn't go in. I mean, a lot of things, beautiful things that got set up last night didn't go in. Um but that's what we that's what we've been wanting to see from him. Um, 
Miller looks like his head is going to explode if he doesn't put one in the net soon, but he's definitely trying. Um, and again, I, I love, I love Vucnevich on that line. I just, I also love Nash on that line because as I was saying before, it's like McDonough, you know, being paired with someone who he doesn't have to worry about. All of a sudden you just see the skill. You see what it looks like when they're not, you know, picking up behind themselves and worried about what else is going on. And they are just playing and seeing Nash on a line like that um, right now is fantastic. Um, He's going to he's going to be good wherever he is, but this this line, I mean, I guess anyone is going to be good with uh on the KZ, but it's just been a lot of fun to watch. So, it's good to have good options as opposed to feeling like you're plugging holes. Michael. It's funny cuz I was thinking the the way Detroit won last night felt like the way the Rangers won a lot of games early last season. It was just, yeah. you know, getting really badly outchanced and outshot. But, hey, we have a goalie, and, you know, we got a deflection, and a goofy thing happened, and, uh, you know, the other team did get a goal, but we came out with a win, even though we were almost doubled in shots. And it's nice to be on the other side of that. So I, I in regards to, you know, getting the puck up the ice and where the offense is coming from. You know, I do know we've been kind of happy-go-lucky here early, but one of the nice things I think that's that's come from these first four games is there are obviously turned about, like, uh, you know, Nick Holden comes to mind, but (laughs) there's a lot more positive going on than negative here. And, it's not just because Girardi's out of lineup and it's not just because Tanner Glass is in the AHL. You know, there are really good signs from, you know, we were excited about the Benajad in the preseason for good reason. Um, he looked absolutely sensational early. Um, you know, he looks like a bona fide top line center. And it's not just that, you know, he's, doing pretty plays and skilled plays. He's playing a complete game. And that line, um, you know, obviously Buchnevich has the back spasms, but when Kreider, Buchnevich, and Zabinajad were together, I forget what their, uh, the ratio of their scoring chances for uh, versus against is, but it's insane. And they're, they have something like an even strength, a PDO of 88, you know. <laughs> they've been so good, and they've looked even better than, you know, they, they deserve more than what they've been getting. And I, when you see all the chances that, you know, Kreider and Zabinajad are creating and getting, you get the feeling that if they can keep this up, it's a really special line. So whether it's Buchnevich or, or Nash on that line, it, it's, it's not that it's irrelevant, but, you know, we'll kind of take either one at this point because – the forward depth looks kind of needs to be the team's, you know, greatest asset after Hank, and it's definitely looking like that. You really can't talk about how good the Rangers have been without referencing how good Chris Kreider has been. And I think he's a, a big part of that line and throw in Zabinjad as well, obviously, because he's been sensational. Um but Kreider has looked like a different player. He, he has seven points in his first four games. Uh, I can't even tell you the last, the, how long it took him to get the seven points last year. I'm sure it was a while. 
I think it was until the middle of November that he scored his third goal. He did that in three games. You're talking about a guy who, for the past two or three years, has shown the tools to put everything together, but really hasn't been able to put everything together. And now that he's signed long-term, I don't know if that was something that was weighing on his mind. I don't know if it was something that he was concerned about, but he has become a completely different player and he is making the Rangers absolutely lethal. So when you look at some of the issues that the Rangers have had, and really there's not a ton of them, the power play could be cleaned up a little bit. The penalty kill has its moments. Um, Yeah. The defense has been actually okay. It it hasn't been that bad. Um, Granted, Girardi really hasn't been in the lineup, and Klein just got back, but we're going to have a conversation in a few minutes about what's going to happen when Girardi does return. But I think the really the early investments that are paying off are Kreider, Dabinijad, VC, and Buchnevich. And then I think something that we've been so happy we haven't even talked about it, having a real fourth line. Michael Grabner mm-hmm. has had more shorthanded chances than Tanner Glass has had the three years he's been here combined. You're talking about a line, and now it, it has Joris on it, but even with Peary on it, just... Did Glass have a shorthanded chance? Ever? I, well, he was on the ice shorthanded <laughs> a lot. There were a lot of shorthanded know, chances when he was on fast. the ice, just not, not for the Rangers. It was against the Rangers. No, so I did there, that was, uh, that was amazing. Cool. Um, so I just don't... I think you're so happy with what you're seeing up front that oh by the way the Broadway hat is in uh, our chat room and he is very pleased that someone mentioned Tanner Glass that we brought it up. Uh, thank you for being there, Hat. So is Arvor Green and uh, Michael from Nevada. They're all in there too, along with a bunch of guests who are lurking and won't tell us their real name for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just I'm so happy with what we're seeing from the offense, and I think it's been a, an enormous part of why the Rangers have been so successful with their. <laughs> past four games, even though they're two and two, they could easily be four and oh. And this is one of those moments where you say that's what you want out of the team. You want them to play that well. And the two games that they lost, they dominated. The Rangers had like 64 shots to Detroit's like 25 in terms of attempts. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. So let's kind of transition things to the defense, which really has not been that bad but definitely had some problems. <laughs> McDonough's looked awesome the past four games. And Adam Clendenning has been – so let's just talk about Clendenning. Let's get this out of the way. When Clendenning was making a mark for himself in the preseason, it was because of the offense that he was putting up. Since then, he's been put on the second power play unit, and the offense really hasn't been there. But defensively, you could say he's been one of the Rangers' best defenders. And it, this is not cupcake he minutes either. This is, this is getting yeah. top-line minutes with McDonough when Girardi was out. This is getting crunch time minutes in the two games where the Rangers were losing late that they needed to come back. And you're talking about when the Sharks are making their onslaught, he was getting those minutes. Clendenning leads the New York Rangers in Corsi at 68%. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. He has been every bit as good in his own end as everybody said he wasn't going to be. And he has been fine on the offensive side of things. I, I kind of wish that Vigneault would use him on the first power play unit. I think McDonough is getting tired by having to play all that time on all three sides of the puck. But 
when Girardi comes back, the thought process is Clendenning's the guy to sit. And I think we all know the right answer is that Girardi probably should not come back into the lineup, at least not right away. Uh, if that's not an option, and let's just assume it's not, then he should be going in for Nick Holden, who has not been that good. Um, but I think we know what's going to happen. I think Clendenning is going to be the guy that comes out. Now, hopefully we're as wrong as we were two weeks ago when I bitched and moaned about how Glass was going to become the 14th forward and then basically take over <laughs> the world. But what are your thoughts on this, Beth? Because I know you have many of them. Wait, what are my thoughts on which now? Who's going to come out? What your thoughts are in general about Clendenning? Yeah. Just the defense as a whole. There it is. I, I mean, again, reminding you that you you actually thought Clendenning wasn't going to play, and he is playing. So the new positive, calm, smart me is going to say that he's going to stay in the game because to take him out would be borderline moronic. Um, is making him sit and bringing Girardi in. Oh, I can't, I, I can't see a world in which that works right now. So who else? Holden should be the one who sits, but then again, McElrath should also be playing defense for this team. So I, I feel it, it's hard to see so many great choices have been made on offense and defense is still, we really don't know what's going to happen. Really anything can happen. Um, because Girardi, I, again, I hope he's well. I hope I, – I wish no ill to the man at all whatsoever. Um, but should he be in this game right now? Probably not. So I really feel like all bets are off when we come to the defense, which is, which is really hard to say when we have an offense up there like the one we have right now. Mike? Uh, I – I'm not sure there's been kind of a depth signing that we all kind of poo-pooed that has been as impressive as Clem Denning has been in a while. Mm -hmm. And I know that's kind of, you know, it's a big thing to say, but when you try to picture what the defense could look like without Clem Denning and, you know, you can say, oh, it's a sample size of four games. Well, then expand it to the preseason as well. And I know that people are expecting him to be an offensive defenseman and, you know, he hasn't picked up any points in four games. And meanwhile, McDonough has three assists and I think Holden has two assists. But there's so much positive, as Joe was pointing out. And who would have thought we'd be so comfortable with Clendenning and Brady Shea as a pair and how nervous we all were with Shea in the preseason and now – you know, when Shane Clendenning on the are on the ice together, things look fine. In fact, they're they're one of the better. I think the numbers show they're the best uh, pair at driving possession on the team. I mean, that's that's kind of crazy considering where you know where we were just a few weeks ago when we were trying to figure out you know who the hell the Rangers were going to have uh, on that on that back end. But now you know I I know it's a crazy thing to think, but I would. Sooner, in a world where, you know, Vigneault won't move, you know, needs is compelled to put Girardi in and refuses to take Holden out, I would almost sooner take Shea out of the lineup. And I know that's 
you know, that might be crazy to some people because he's 22 and, you know, he's developing and all those things. But Clendenning's 23. You know, if if the Rangers can kind of get get an idea of what they have here with Clendenning and really give him give him a chance of his own, they could have something pretty special here. And I think that's something that needs to, you know, it's, it's a little early to start talking about, you know, giving him a contract and, you know, uh, investing in him and all all that but there's it's definitely something that we didn't think would even be part of the conversation a while ago you know he was looked at just as kind of like AHL depth um and in regards to the Holden it's been I don't know we talked about this on the phone right before the show and I didn't know what to expect of Holden I expected him to kind of be you know that six seven guy um and watching him play, he reminded me a little bit of uh, Mark Stahl, but not not in the best of ways. And <laughs> so far from Holden, I you know I know we gave up. I think it was a fourth round pick for him, and we have him for this season and next season at a 1.65 on the cap. And I really am not encouraged by what I've seen. Um, I think he's. You know, obviously, McElrath had, you know, nine minutes of really, really rough hockey, and his, you know, his possession numbers look like a nightmare, but Holden doesn't look great so far, and I think that's something that could be a concern here is, as this team moves forward and is kind of figuring out who to keep in the lineup, especially on defense. It's, I really hope that Holden doesn't already have kind of, you know, a warm spot in Vino's heart because... I'd rather see Clen Denning and and Shea than this, you know, I think he's a 29-year-old defenseman who hasn't really shown anything in his career to this point. Well, this is the problem. When the Rangers acquired Holden, I think the the normal thought process at the time, especially at that point in the summer when the Rangers had made the decision on buying out Dan Girardi or Mark Stahl was, okay, the Rangers are bringing in a guy that's going to be a stopgap for whatever it is they're going to do to the defense as time wears on. And it turns out the Rangers did nothing to the defense outside of bringing in Clen Denning, which I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm not so sure the Rangers thought he was going to be some anything other than AHL depth. And my idea behind, look, it's very difficult to get an idea of how Vigneault feels from the media. We've talked about that a lot. He's, he's great at coach speak. He's unbelievable at sort of the head fake, if you will. You really need to look at what he does on the ice. Now, there are exceptions to that. I think the comments that he made about McElrath uh, after the game against the Sharks was pretty much the kiss of death. But I think that Holden is a guy that the Rangers actually wanted and the Rangers actually think can kind of step up because to this point, he's the guy that's being inserted into those top line minutes. And while Holden... Yeah, second on the season ice time, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not... You, you would never expect that. And when you have a guy like Clendenning who is dominating the way that he's dominating and a guy like McElrath who, who's kind of rotting away, to be completely honest with you, and look, it's, if we're going to talk <laughs> about McElrath, we just, need to, we just need to mention the fact that he had a rough game against uh, against the Sharks. He made a stupid decision to get into a fight with Thomas Hurdle. 
I put a lot of blame on Vigneault for that because I feel like McElrath has been put in a situation where he thinks he needs the fight to be effective. And this he's trying exact, to do Yes. He's trying to do whatever he can to stay in this lineup because he can't do anything to stay in the lineup. This is the problem. No one can give a con- – and look, uh, let's just call a spade a spade on this one. The media does not care. And the answer that you're getting from a lot of the beat reporters, including some that I like a lot, is, well, Vigneault thinks he's the eighth defenseman, so he's the eighth defenseman. But why? Why is he the eighth defenseman? That's what I want to know. If you're in the room, that's a question to ask. Because you would think, like Adam pointed out in his story, for all of the investments the Rangers have made on Dylan McElrath, you're throwing him away. A story is going up tomorrow about how the Rangers just need to basically trade McElrath as soon as possible. Because at this point, he's not helping anybody. He's clearly not going to play, and it is what it is. Now, that may hurt Beth. I don't think it's a smart thing to do. But McElrath's usage has basically the past two years put him in the category of one of two trades. One, a change of scenery trade with someone else. So you're talking about like a Cam Fowler, maybe on the high end. Um, someone who, you know, straight up another team isn't using and you think, okay, we throw them around and that'll work. Or McElrath is part of a bigger deal is basically a throwaway piece. But the Rangers, for all the investments that they did and all the work that Jeff Bukaboom put into this kid, basically you lost last year as a development year and you're going to lose this year. So just cut bait as much as that's not the best decision, just cut bait. But on the flip side of that, he's sitting right now. Klein is back, and when Girardi comes back, Holden should be the guy to sit, unless Vigneault is going to do the smart thing and maybe not play Girardi. But I don't think that's going to happen. There might be like this Russian roulette of in-and-out musical chairs where it's going to be Holden, Girardi, and uh, Clendenning fighting for two spots and just rotating in and out. But the defense hasn't been atrocious. I think a lot of that is because the offense has kind of helped them out a lot more than they did yeah. last year. Agreed. You got to take that stuff into consideration. I think Ryan McDonough has been spectacular with new defensive partners. Who would have thought, except for everybody who was paying attention. <laughs> as much as, like Beth said, you don't want to see anybody get hurt, Girardi being hurt has forced Mignot to put new looks out there, and they've worked. McDonough Clendenning works. Stahl Holden does not work. Stahl Klein no. was okay. Shea Clendenning was good. Shea Holden was okay. You got to take the good with the bad. And you have to be able to kind of decipher the black and the white and the gray. And Vigneault hasn't been great at that. It is what it is. But I just want to point out. Go ahead, Mike. I just want to point out before we close the book on Mathurath, I, I really want to want to stress because, you know, it's, I remember Dave from Blue Seat Blogs just tweeted out, you know, that McElrath had a bad game just to remind everyone that, you know, he's not out of lineup just, you know, indiscriminately. He's not out of lineup because Elaine Vigneault is a bully. But it's important to remember he skated just over nine minutes against the Sharks and he had a bad game. And to put that into perspective, you know, nine minutes for a defenseman is is nothing. It's the sort of minutes you would give to the, the seventh defenseman that you dressed that night if you dressed seven. You know, just in, a, in like in a super sheltered role. 
And McElrath made, you know, made the, everyone calls it a mistake, you know, hurdle bumps Ranta and then McElrath goes over to hurdle and, you know, something that is usually very much below him on the food chain and hurdle takes like shoves McElrath one too many times. And McElrath knows that, you know, just from the way the organization and playing in hockey has groomed him, that it's his job to, to pick up for his goaltender. And, that time, I'm not saying what Macarath did, you know, was worthy of applause or anything, but he's doing what he believes his role to be. Yeah, and exactly. He picked, he picked on, you know, a guy who's, you know, kind of up to his waist and height and maybe 140 <laughs> pounds, but it's, and so it looked bad, but, you know, Macarath wasn't out of control. He didn't, like, beat him no, to death or anything. No, he did not. He just kind of wrestled him and like a half-hearted punch or two, and then stopped immediately when Hurdle turtled up. You know, it's, he just hurdle, kind of was like, "Oh, yeah, Hurdle turtle." And if that's the only look we get at him in the regular season this year in a Rangers jersey, it's it's a real shame. And I really hope that's not the case. Even though I I agree that probably the best thing to do knowing that Clint Denning looks as competent um, and better as he does right now is to probably move McElrath. But if that's the last we see of him as a Ranger, it's a real shame because it's not – there's so much more to him than just a guy who gets benched for, for going after a guy and, you know, looking like a remnant of, you know, 19 early 1980s <laughs> hockey. You know, that's not what he is. He's more than that. So I just wanted to make sure we – kind of gave the full picture on there on the Macarath situation. But that's and the again, there's no way he's not, there's no way he's been discouraging, discouraged from doing what he's doing out there. If anything, it's been the opposite. I had this conversation the other day. If any, if AB said to him, you know, McElrath, don't fight, don't start, don't, he wouldn't do it. The guy wants to play. But I don't think that has been said to him. I think that's what he feels he needs to do. You know, like Mike was saying, I think that's what he feels he needs to do to stay out there, to make himself valuable here. Um, and that's kind of heartbreaking. Like, it's part of who he is. It also, Bob McKenzie was talking yesterday between periods about McElrath and how he's another player that the Rangers are not using and speculating for trades and whatnot. One of the things that he mentioned was McElrath was a defensible pick back in 2010 because teams were still building heavy, as in you wanted the big, rough, tough defender. And when McElrath was drafted, that's why he was drafted. He was basically another Jeff Bukaboom, just a big, booming player, this hulk of a defenseman who was going to beat the crap out of anybody who came near Hank who was going to clear the crease and was going to be this big stay-at-home defenseman. And with no development from Vigneault, with no real support from the New York Rangers as an organization, he, he got a ton of support in Hartford, McElrath developed into a very solid defenseman. And not just someone who can drop the gloves and beat the crap out of someone, but someone who can actually step up and make plays. He's not yeah. the fastest guy in the world. He's not the best defenseman in the world. But he wasn't a bad defenseman. And you could make a case that him and Yandel were the Rangers' 
most consistent defensive pairing last year. I loved that pairing last year. In terms of defense, I'm not even talking about the offense. In the preseason, McElrath didn't look amazing, but he's got to be gripping the stick really tight because he doesn't know when the next mistake is going to take him out. He played nine minutes. You don't – how is he not an option worth at least taking a look at? And look, Clendenning took a bad penalty yesterday too. Detroit tied the game on it. Clendenning was back out there again the next shift. Not that that's a bad thing. You should give guys second chances. If McElrath had taken that penalty, he would not have played. Vigneault has no use for him. Right or wrong, Vigneault does not want to use him. If he did, he would have been in the lineup already. He was a last resort against the Sharks. At the first sign of danger, Vigneault pulled him out of the lineup, and that is not how players develop. That is not how you develop your investments. You saw it with Miller for a period of time. You saw it with Kreider for a period of time. To this point, we have not seen it with VC and Buchnevich, and that's great. But McElrath has become a lost Four cause, games, yeah. not because of McElrath, because of the way that he's been treated. And I am people fight me on this all the time, but I fully stand by it. I think McElrath fights the way that he fights because he thinks he has to to stay in the lineup. Exactly. He, how can how can anyone know. think otherwise? If you don't discipline, I'm not comparing McElrath to a puppy, but if you don't tell your puppy, hey, you can't pee in the house, it doesn't know that it can't pee in the house. There's going to be accidents. If you just give the puppy back to the pound every time the dog pees in the house, you'll never have a dog. So I think this goes (laughs) well beyond just, look, Vigneault's not a moron. He knows how to develop players. It's not necessarily something he's good at, but he's aware that playing time at the NHL level turns into opportunities to grow. He doesn't think McElrath is worth anything. Otherwise, McElrath would have been playing. So get rid of him. Shuffle him off. There are some people in the chat who think we're just going to kind of make a quick pivot that when Girardi comes back, Holden is going to sit. I just don't know. Uh, Beth, I don't know if you answered, and if you did, then Mike, you can take this. That's the right decision. I mean, the thing I'm thinking right now, and again, I want to stress my positivity and my sunny disposition this evening. Um, She thinks VC's a bust. (laughs) Yeah, VC's a bust. Um, Think about how sad it would be. And I mean, it's not obviously not going to happen against Fertile. Think how sad it would be if McElrath got concussed in a fight that he was having to stay on this team that doesn't want him. You know, the guy is a first-round pick. He's a solid defenseman. He could be doing something somewhere. He could be having a career. And, you know, when I look at it that way, it's again, it's the hockey mom and me coming out. You know, I mean, just let's cut bait on him. I mean, it's, it's, we owe it to him as a player. That's sad, too, Mike, not to, to jump in where you would go, but, like, you can ruin a guy's career by doing this. And obviously yes. the Rangers yeah. are more concerned about the Rangers, the bigger picture than they are with McElrath specifically. But for a first round pick, he, he's already up against being the guy that was taken instead of Tarasenko. That's already hard enough to get over. Add that it's in with first round. Fault. <laughs> right. Add that in with first round pedigree and not playing. And people assume there's something wrong with the player. There is nothing wrong with the player just is what it is for a variety of different reasons. And that is the Broadway hat is saying it's getting depressing. It is getting depressing. This is depressing. <laughs> Mike, go ahead. I don't even know 
I'm supposed to go on here. Are we still talking about who's going to come out of the D? Just talk about whatever you want. Well, this is a well-run podcast. To address, cheer up, cheer up to Pat. I people. mean, he's giving us some good, yeah. All right. Well, I won't share Pat. Um, <laughs> just, just to you know, to go with people expecting Holden to come out of the lineup. Um, if you, there's a couple of weird things that I've noticed with Holden so far, and the big one is how much ice time he's been getting, and um, against uh, you know, against Detroit, he he got a little bit less ice time than he has been seeing with, uh, obviously with Klein uh, getting back in the lineup, but he was the he was second on the tied with uh, McDonough for second on the team in shorthanded ice time. So he played three minutes shorthanded and then he was the only defenseman not named Clem Denning or McDonough to see any power play ice time. Those things are absolutely crazy to me that we would look at Holden on the power play before Shea or even Klein, because um, we all know he has, you know, a RoboCop slap shot. But <laughs> I don't know what the coaching staff sees in Holden, and hopefully with Klein in the picture, we can move Holden into, you know, that third pairing role where he doesn't have to do things like exit the zone and make passes because we've seen just a horror show of that so far. But I don't feel confident that he's getting the hook anytime soon. And the thing I point to is the fact that he's getting all this ice time. And in comparison, you know, Clint Denning's been getting plenty of ice time on the, on the power play, but he's not seeing the sort of minutes that Holden has by, by a large stretch here. So um, to turn things happy again, uh, McDonough had a baby. We just and... heard Beth pour herself a drink <laughs> live on the podcast. So things could not be going any worse than they are right now. Like this is the bottom. When you hear one of the co-hosts like, you know what? Screw this. I am literally pouring myself a drink right now as I we speak about. I brought the phone with me. I would have been here if you needed me. As we told, that's that's. I think this is fantastic <laughs> that this is what it's done. When people say they've been driven to the drink, you literally heard it live. Beth was driven to the drink. Mike, instead of walking her towards the cliff like she did to us the other day, walk her I off did. the cliff with, with Ryan McDonough's beautiful, sweet new baby girl. <laughs> um, How do she's you say adorable. That name? Does anyone know Fallen? I just call uh, her Baby McDonough. Yeah, Baby McDonough. Baby McDonough. Okay. My Talbot had twins. So, is that. He's no longer a No one cares. Oh, I forgot it. You know, the only thing I want to add to Mike's point is, and I was kind of getting to this, and I sort of went on a Macarath rant. The best way to figure out what <laughs> Vigneault actually thinks is to look at the way that he allocates his ice time. And Holden is getting a lot of minutes. That just tells me he's yeah. not going to be the guy that's going to Ninety seconds left. We are going to dig a little bit into the Tony time. I just want to thank everybody for listening. Remind all of you that we are normally Wednesday night podcast people. We are Thursday night this week because the Rangers played yesterday and lost. So yeah, we're going to move the show I away from the games whenever we can. Because they they Bethy's, Bethy's already drinking. What's to be cheerful about? Um, 
There's happy yeah. drinking, you know. I mean, this could be happy drinking. Remember, I'm positive and sunny now. It's true. I'm a she's completely positive. new woman. She's calm. She's calming down. Um, yep. Grabner is two goals in four games. <laughs> I, I think nice. you mean grab me. That's how you say it? <laughs> Gerbner. Gerbner. <laughs> there it is. Um, so thank you guys for listening. Make sure you download the podcast. Leave us nice reviews on iTunes and Stitcher, Google Play. It helps people find us, and uh, that's what we want. That we want people to find us. Um, I just don't. I don't know. I don't. So here's where we're going to make this transition. The Rangers have been scouting the Ducks very heavily the past couple of games. Uh, Clark and Drury scouted the Ducks play the Devils. I think Gordon and Clark were there against the Islanders. Is there something brewing here, Mike? Start with you. Um, it's no secret that the Ducks really want to get uh, Lindholm signed. Um, yeah. And it's also no secret that the Rangers are, we have been scouting and keeping an eye on the Ducks, and we really don't think it's because they want to bring Emerson Eden back. So, oh, God, that would be signs, so special, though. <laughs> I would... I would cry laughing um so all signs point to the rangers likely taking obviously the only way this works for for the ducks is if you know they give up more cap space than they take in return which is why i think we've heard cam fowler's name being thrown around he's 24 year old defenseman he's a four million dollar cap hit for this season and the next season and um you know, it'd be one thing if it's just, you know, rumors around, but it looks like the Rangers are really actively scouting it. Mackenzie's talking about it. Um, we've heard Camp Baller's name attached to the Rangers in the past. And, you know, there's certainly, there's more uncertainty on the blue line than in any other aspect of the team, despite, you know, how brilliant McDonough has looked and how, you know, Clendenning has exceeded everyone's expectations, but um, I think, you know, where there's smoke, there's often fire, and it's not unusual for teams to to kind of reevaluate what they, what they look like early in the year. We don't often see, like, you know, October trades, but it's, uh, it's definitely something that's catching everyone's interest because – you know, when, when Shattenkirk didn't happen, there was all this talk about, you know, without Yandel and with Boyle retiring, who the hell is going to do anything on the power play now? And as Joe mentioned earlier, the Rangers are asking a lot of Ryan McDonough. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not sure he's going to have, you know, any energy to raise his baby at this point because, you know, we're asking him to wear a lot of different hats on that blue line. So... The problem is Cam Fowler is not really a great solution, but we can get into that later. I'll let you guys have your take. Bethany? Remind me of the question. Is there anything going on with the Rangers scouting the That has nothing to do duck? with the wine. I was listening. I'm just not sure what you want me to, like, you know, set off on. You can, you can talk, talk about, about whatever you want. <laughs> you know me. I'll go back to McElrath. So where were we? We were talking about the Ducks 
and the Rangers scouting the Ducks and the potential of a trade with the Ducks. Okay. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I can't. I don't really have anything smart to say about that. All I know is that there's nobody I want enough to not worry about what we're giving in return. Yeah, so. that's a good point. I, I'm torn on Cam Fowler. His possession metrics are not great. His offensive awesome. production is okay. Um, his ability to exit the zone with possession is very, very high. And this was one of the things that we were talking about when Dave and I, Dave from Blue Sea Blogs, were kind of looking into this last year. Fowler has very good metrics of, of zone exiting, which I think is an uh-huh. underutilized stat. But his actual possession metrics were terrible. So yeah. it's almost a give and take. Here's my take on things. I would bet on a 35 to 40 point 24 year old defenseman in the right situation to be better. The question becomes, what are you now? I'm talking, say the Rangers trade Macarthur Fowler straight up. Would the Ducks be into that? Maybe because they want to save the cap space and that saves them yeah. almost three and a half million dollars. Would the Rangers do that? And they're Maybe. reportedly, yeah, the Ducks are reportedly a quarter of a million away um, from what Lindholm wants. So, so it's not like they have to pay bucket. If it's a move like that, I'm kind of into it because you, you throw Fowler on the third pairing. You have a young defense, but you have to make the right decision with the veterans that you have. And that means no Holden. And that means no Girardi. Yeah. And is that going to happen? Probably not. No. So maybe you don't make that move. <laughs> I, I think there are opportunities for the Rangers to do things on defense that maybe we're not even thinking about. And I think Clendenning was a good example. Like Beth said, maybe the Rangers had a better idea of what they were looking for than we did. But I just don't know if there's a, a tic-tac-toe solution. I just can't see the Rangers trading McElrath for Fowler because it doesn't take away the log jam on defense. If anything, it makes it way worse because now you have a guy who the Rangers would have to play, and then Clendenning is probably definitely coming out of the lineup, and I don't think that's a solution either. <laughs> Beth is Rawr. mad. Beth is very mad. Um, uh, and I think it's a great <laughs> thing that we're having this discussion. Clendenning has been so good that Beth is drinking live on the air. That's a really good thing. I don't think at any point in time we were going to get to this point. Does this but mean that I also shouldn't tell means... you I've been doing that all along? Uh, no, you can. It sounds way okay. better that well, we actually I, I think pour I did, the drink. So, yeah. Yeah, this show hopefully. drives me to the drink, too, because I'm like, wow, I'm really bad at running podcasts. and then. I mean, it's uh, a podcast. I'm not, like, operating heavy machinery or anything. Well, you, the people don't know. My, this studio <laughs> may very well be just like a big rig that we're just driving in. They don't know. That would be cool. I would totally do that. Well, the next podcast is coming to you from a big rig. You better break big convoy. One of those huge cranes that's like taller than a skyscraper. Yeah, if it goes slower than 30 miles per hour, the entire thing explodes. And you get to listen to it live. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Counter Reeves and Sandra Bullock. <laughs> We'd be, great. We'd be such great actors. We'd be the best actors ever. Um, you know what we, we really haven't talked about, but I just want to mention it. Brady Shea's gonorrhea. actually been pretty good in the... Did you just say gonorrhea? 
No, Keanu Reeves. But it's no, good to know you have Keanu actually Reeves. transmitted. <laughs> I really <laughs> should pay you back for the whole VC is a bus thing right now, but I'm not going to because I'm a bigger person than that. Wow. Positive. This is me being a bigger person than that. Well, you were going to make a gonorrhea joke? A little bit. Yeah, I was. But instead, I'm going to talk about how much I wish Shay had gotten that goal last night. Oh, my God. Oh, God. That was a great deflection. Oh, it was beautiful. Gonorrhea took us to Brady Shay. I think that's not good. No, that Brady that Shea took us to gonorrhea. Oh, my God, Brady Shea. That's way worse. This. I'm sorry. That is way worse. Listen, Brady, Brady Shea. Shea, you may or may not be listening to this podcast. If you are listening <laughs> to this, we don't think you have gonorrhea, and gonorrhea does not remind us of you. Beth has been drinking. She doesn't know. It's fine. Just let it go. Um, this is my fault because I thought Mike said gonorrhea, and then I was talking about Brady Shea. He said Keanu yeah, Reeves. That it doesn't even sound doesn't even sound the same. I do that all the time, though. So um, Shea has a 55% Corsi. We're just going to move on. Like, none of that happened. Uh, the bad <laughs> Shea that we saw in the preseason has not really reared its ugly head in the regular season. He's been pretty good. Um, he kind of stepped up, and him and Clendenning were the guys that played their that top-line minute with McDonough when Girardi was injured. And... He's looked okay. He's had some offensive opportunities. I think one of the biggest things about his game is his ability to jump the rush and be part of that offensive transition, and we've seen some of that. And yeah. He's not a guy who I think should be suited for sitting when Girardi comes back. Now, if it's between him and Clendenning, Clendenning has played better, but again, what are you telling, you know, what are you telling yourself if you're not playing Shea, if you're sitting him, I mean, it doesn't say a good thing to the fan base. It doesn't say a good thing to the organization. If they're keeping Clendenning around and not their first round pick from two years or three, four or whatever, the last first round pick the Rangers have had, which seems like the beginning of time. Um, yeah. I don't know. Beth, I, your thoughts on Shea? I, or Mike, go ahead. You have thoughts. No, I know I said earlier, you know, I would sooner take, take Shea out than Clendenning based on, you know, what we've seen here, but, it's important to not just think in terms of the vacuum of, you know, the day-to-day, you know, what you want to see in the lineup. It's important to keep things in mind, like, you know, the whole season and the future. And because of that, Shane needs to be in the lineup. And it's it's been one of – kind of been lost in all the excitement with uh, Zabinajad and Kreider, BC and, and Booch and everything that, you know – we were all pretty concerned about what we saw from Shea in the preseason and things have kind of leveled out here. And he's, you know, he hasn't exactly been, you know, setting the world on fire or anything on the blue line, but he's looking pretty comfortable. And honestly, I'll take that for, you know, a 22 year old defenseman who is the only, you know, the only prospect in, in the cupboard that hasn't passed his expiration date so I I like what we've seen from Shea so far and I it's this weird thing where I, I don't think we would be worried about having this discussion of there's too many options on defense because that's not really what's happening here it's just this this other problem which is there are these guys with no movement clauses in the defense that we can't move and that kind of makes things that shouldn't be problems problems. So um 
I, I want to see more of, of Shea and Clendenning, but when Girardi gets back, it's obviously going to be really difficult for that to happen. And it has a freaking, you know, letter on his sweater. He's not going anywhere. And, what? you know, everyone's been talking about how, mm-hmm. you know, it's, oh, he's he's got something to prove and, you know, he can do it. Look at him go with his cleft chin and his pretty eyes, but... It's uh, it's not looking good here. So I I I want to believe that we'll get to see both Clendenning because remember yeah. Clendenning's 23. He's a kid, and you know Shea's 22. I want to see these guys around so that we don't have to spend you know seven million dollars on a free agent defenseman in a year or two. You know what I mean? Yeah. The other thing that we haven't really talked about, Stahl has actually kind of improved. Yeah, he and has. Yeah, yeah. That causes an issue, too, not that it's a bad thing, but when you looked up and down the lineup last year, there were two very clear answers on, hey, listen, these are guys that we should pull out of the lineup because they're not very good. I don't think Stahl has been a world beater. I don't think he's been back to the no, Stahl no. of two and a half years ago, but he's been a lot better than he was last year. He's actually improved, and... You know, I don't hate the idea of him being in the lineup so long as he keeps playing like this. He sort of developed into like this pseudo power forward. And you see him making these hard rushes to the net. You'd think he was his brother who did none of that when he was in New York. But we're not going to be bitter oh, about the Eric Stoll trade time. now. Or will we be? I don't know. Beth is uh, maybe she's not as positive as we thought she was. Uh, no, so I'm I, fine with Stahl. I'm talking about Eric Stahl, though. None of us are fine ah. with Eric Stahl. The one who was um, here, I get my stalls mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know their brother? Uh, there, there are four of them. Four stall yeah. brothers. It's a lot for like sod I've farmers. Never heard that I'm pretty before. sure their father's a sod farmer. Um, what was I going to say? So you know, the Rangers have options on defense, and they're not a ton of bad options. But right now, Holden, I think, is the guy that needs to come out, and I don't think that's going to happen. And maybe Girardi shouldn't go in, and I definitely don't think that's going to happen. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just waiting for which bad choice it's going to be. Essentially, right? Is it going to be Clendenning? Exactly. Yeah, it's not. It's it's not going to be Shea. It, it, it from just a PR standpoint, it would be yeah. impossible to bank Shea for no reason. The fact that they're getting away with it with McElrath is enough. Exactly. Because exactly. I don't think the media is really. I'm just going to go on a mini rant here, and it's going to be a very mini rant, but this is the way that I truly feel. The Can media I say has one thing of... before you rant? Go ahead. Yes. And it'll probably send you off. Shay is, is dedicating his life to not being McElrath right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's, he's got his worst nightmare on the bench with him, and he's watching it. So go on your rant. My rant is basically – I think the media has a lot more power than people assume that they do. And part of the reason why not having different voices in the room is something that the Rangers are are happy with is because you really, the media the Rangers have don't rock the boat. And I'm not trying to insult all of them. I think the Rangers uh, had a specific beat reporter who we won't name leave to go someplace else. And that was an, an enormous improvement. But outside of Larry Brooks, there's really not a ton of guys who are willing to 
kind of drop the gloves and, and fight with the organization. And even Brooks has kind of lost his teeth a little bit the past year or so. And the reason why I say that, I alluded to this earlier in the show, basically every media member when they're accosted about McElrath not playing is uh, being told that, is one of you listening to the show? I hear like my voice in the background. I'm not sure what's happening there. It could be me. Um, Part of the reason the social media has kind of become like this double-edged sword, it's great for the reporters because they're able to get this news and information out there really quickly, but it also forces them to interact with the fans. And every time that the fans yell about McElrath, every beat reporter just puts their hands up and they go, much like Tanner Glass last year, well, listen, he's the eighth defenseman to the show, so why, why even talk about it? And the reason why you talk about it is because if those questions aren't asked and if that stuff isn't brought up, then you basically let them get away with it. And that's not to insinuate that if media members believe McElrath is an eighth defenseman, they're entitled to their opinion. If you truly believe McElrath is the eighth best defenseman on this team and not worth the investment, that's fine. I mean, I disagree with you, but that's fine. If you do think that he is worth an investment, but, oh, well, Vigneault is just going to say he's the eighth defenseman, whatever, you're not really doing your job. And part of the reason why that's an issue is because no one's brought it up. No one's talking about it. The Rangers have a first-round draft pick sitting on the bench that they invested three years in that's not even playing, that they've deliberately taken away a year of his development. That has to be a story somewhere. The Rangers Mm -hmm. kept him last year. They didn't trade him at the trade deadline. They didn't trade him over the summer. And for what? How is that not something that's getting brought up? You can't just shrug your shoulders and say, oh, whatever it is, what it is, because it's really not. And you can't pick and choose. When Kreider was sitting for Tortorella, the media went crazy. And it became such a talking point that he got back into the lineup. I'm not saying that it's the media's job to make decisions for the coach, but I am saying it's not the media's job to cover up bad decisions because it is what it is. No, I don't care if the right. gives you the same answer over and over and over and over again. It's still a point worth talking about. Nick Holden has not been amazing. Dan Girardi has not been amazing. You have a kid who's making almost no money sitting on the bench for a team that's right up against it in terms of cap space. How is that yep. not a bigger story? Oh, my God. That's, One of that, us has that's to my get rant. There. That, I mean, it, just, it is what it is. I think the media has a job, and I get it. They're not supposed to be out there looking to ruffle feathers. But there was a time when the media's job was to get the story. And I think the flow of information is sort of controlled by the Rangers. And I just think a lot of the media members just don't want to deal with it. Or maybe they the all feel the same way. can't, but... Somebody else can get in that room and do it if they get the clearance. Even from a national standpoint, no one's really poking the bear. You don't, like 10 years ago when newspapers were the only thing around, I, you know what I really think it is? I think so many beat reporters and newspaper writers don't want to quote unquote stoop down to the blog level that they want to be friendly with the team. But it's not your job Look to that. be friendly There's with the team. There's a reason why people read the blogs. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can we sorry. can we say that, Mike? I need a ruling on this. Is the what, FCC coming for us? I mean, are the yeah. FBI listening? Now you've said it again. I mean, 
Well, every uh, PG-13 movie is allowed to say one fuck, and we're up to well, three now. We, now. now we say oh, three. well, that's two now. Thank you, no, Mike. Three. No, it's three, because I, I said fuck again. Now it's four. Oh, my God, now it's four. <laughs> um, not for nothing, we are listed as for everyone on iTunes. <laughs> so it's that's going show. to be a surprise to that's some of the five-year-olds who are listening to this show, I'm sure. Uh, but I agree with you. I just I think that's what uh, – it's, it's just why – it's it's frustrating. It is frustrating because the answer can't be, well, he thinks he's the eighth defenseman, whatever. It's like, hey, why don't you have a fire extinguisher in your house? Well, he's just going to say that he doesn't like fire extinguishers. If no I one's can like, jump in really, you can. So if I can jump in really quick here, it's the decision to, to hang on to someone like Makarath, who it's not just that he was a first champ. Someone the team, as Joe has said time and again tonight, especially is they've been a real investment in him. And I think back to, uh, it just enters my mind because uh, I did a, a story for, for Puck Daddy over the summer about uh, weird events um, in Rangers history. And I looked back on that. If you that haven't crazy read it, it's, it's one of the greatest, one of the greatest things Mike has ever produced, honestly. Go find it. And Mike is it. Amazing. amazing. Yes, seriously. Mike, and Mike that. is amazing. That's yeah. saying something. That's like a volcano that like shoots out gold and unicorns and rainbows doing something even more amazing. That's what that story You've was. seen that volcano, okay. right? Yes. You know what? In my head. Fuck you guys. That's five. Um, <laughs> so there was a 15-round shootout against the Capitals, and I remember Steve Eminger was in it, and he was wearing an A. And I remember J.D. saying something like, they really expect Steve Eminger to be a big part of the team. Uh, I know Rangers fans might not believe it, but Eminger at one point was a first-round pick. And just like a lot of, especially defensemen, he didn't work out in Washington. So what happened with him? Washington didn't keep him around as, you know, an eighth defenseman or someone to just kind of be like, oh, you know what? We were kind of pinning the hopes of the franchise on you, but now we're just going to, you know, let you be the guy who kind of lingers around and, you know, stays in the locker room and, works with the kids that hope we hope are better than you. But it's a weird thing to have this kind of a project that the Rangers seem to be accepting as a failed project when it doesn't have to be. It's okay to have a guy who's, you know, was a, a first-round pick and, you know, everyone will always point to Tarasenko and there's, there's nothing that can be more unfair to mm-hmm. – any player than saying who is drafted before or after him. They don't decide where they're drafted. McElrath didn't ask to be drafted where he was drafted. I'm sure he wanted to be. I'm sure he wanted to be the first overall pick. Every player does. But it's not, that's not on McElrath. He's not a bust because of that. If, if anyone is at fault, it's the organization. And on top of that, if anyone is at fault for, not finding a way to get something of value out of him, even if it's just, you know, a big hulking, you know, third pair guy on the right side that is the sort of guy who will smack around Thomas Hurdle if he bumps Ranta, and we all just go, oh, McElrath. If that's all you can get from him, and by the way, last year his numbers were great in terms of possession. Obviously that had a lot to do with playing with Yandel, but it's not, he's not this worthless asset. There's something no, inherently valuable in him. And I know it's, you know, that the modern game is speed and 
and quickness and moving the puck. And so when you look at Makarath, you don't think those things, but he's not like he's not garbage. There's he has value and worth. It just and like Joe said, for a team that is really maneuvering around some bad contracts and some there's a lot of and I don't mean to be doom and gloom, but there's a lot of headaches coming up after the season for the Rangers with you know, how the hell do you, what the hell do you pay the Benajad if he keeps this up? Don't forget he's mm-hmm. a pending RFA, but having young cost-controlled guys is a great thing. And that's what the Rangers can have with Macarath. He's not the sort of guy who's going to want more than $2 million a year if you just keep him around in a role where he's, there's not a lot of pressure on him. And we're never going to... Like Beth was saying, it's sad. We're just not going to get to see that from him. And just rambling. Let's let's face it. Also, that last season, we saw what was it? Hank had more high danger shots than any other goalie in the league. And McElrath was the guy who stayed home and threw people out of the crease. You were not taking those shots as much when McElrath was on the ice. Girardi's behind the net. Who knows where Stahl was at that point? Girardi's on his stomach sliding around. Is where he is. Yeah, exactly. You know, and honestly, again, that, that, that there should be that clip of Hayes going around whoever that was last night to, to be the, yeah. you know, don't snow angel. Just don't do it. But anyway, my Doesn't point work. being how many guys were left on Hank's doorstep last season, but they weren't left there when McElrath was around because he picked them up and he threw them out. And, you know, that means something. He did have value when he was playing. And he did have value for a value that this particular team needed at that time, and he never got to show it. And, again, I don't think we intended to spend, you know, this much of the show on this. But, I mean, I think a lot of our feelings about this team's future are tied up in what they do with this player because he's both a young guy and defense. And those have been our two main problems with AV is how he deals with the youth and how he deals with the defense. And so all of that sort of comes with a – comes to a head when you think about how McElrath has been handled. I want to throw things into reverse for a minute and and talk about what Mike said. You cannot fault a player for where they're taken in the draft. And I think a perfect example is McElrath because a generational sniping star was taken after him in Tarasenko. I think another great example is Ryan Gropp, who the Rangers totally reached for last year, and well, two years ago, really, and passed up on guys who were just becoming unbelievable prospects for these other teams. You blame the organization for that, but even so, at the time, it's always a defensible decision. Um, the Rangers, you have to trust Gordy Clark. I mean, who would have ever taken two goalies in one round in Halverson and uh, Shushkarin. And the Rangers probably have the best goalie in their system and maybe one of the best goalie prospects in the NHL because they did that. So you need to forgive them. What you can't forgive them for is wasting an asset. And that's exactly what the Rangers are doing right now. If they walk away from the table with McElrath for nothing, not a quality player in return, not a quality player in himself on Broadway, that's on them. 
And that's what you can't defend. You cannot have that. And unfortunately, the Rangers have a long list of that with Vigneault as the head coach. I mean, like it or not, there's plenty of players that he doesn't really like that the Rangers don't get value back for. Keith Yandel's kind of a different scenario because of the way that he was brought in, but Emerson Edom's a really good example. Dylan McElrath is just another example. And I think it's a problem. You cannot waste cost-controlled assets in the NHL. You can't. Not in the salary cap era. It's not okay. No. Great teams don't do that. Great teams yeah. trade high. And that's the thing. The Rangers traded Broussard at the right time. They sold him as high as he was going to be sold. You need to do stuff like that. You're replacing him with a younger player. You have to do that stuff. What are you doing with McElrath then? And I guess that's the million-dollar question. Uh, yeah, I think this, uh, this went pretty well, you know, outside of us driving <laughs> Beth to the drink. Um, Thanks, swearing and you know, doing all that fun stuff, we're definitely going to get our... Uh, that was Mike. Gonna, that wasn't me. It was Mike. We're going to be revoked. iTunes is going to revoke us immediately, and no one's going to be able to listen. Um, does anyone want to add anything before we uh, bounce around? I think fine. Fine, Menzo. I'm okay. Um, I was just going to say, we we mentioned this earlier, and I want to end on kind of an up note, just because it's been kind of yes, a lot of storm storm clouds here. But uh, well, with negative not coming. Rangers could very easily be four and zero right now, and it's not just because oh they're hitting posts and stuff. They've been dominating possession. Yes. Yeah. And they look fast and dangerous and very good. And against Detroit, which is early on looking like a team that's just going to be doing what the Rangers did last season, just holding on to goaltending performances. Their 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 PDO and their their shots for right now are just you know unsustainable. They're crazy um, in terms of not getting enough shots and getting very fortunate with their PDO. Um, we we want to see the Rangers obviously start winning games, but if there's this weird thing where they're just getting robbed a lot and, you know, they just kind of squeak out of October with a record just north of 500, it's, you know, it's been the title of two different recaps from Joe so far, just trust in the process because Mm -hmm. these are good things. These are good signs. Obviously you want the team to win and you want to get into the playoffs because that's kind of what this is all about, but, there's a lot of really encouraging signs here and there's a lot of, there's a lot to like from what we've seen. And it's not just, you know, the guys we've mentioned, I know, you know, we haven't gotten to really turn our attention on, you know, on things like what Miller looks like shorthanded and, you know, all sorts of stuff, but there's a lot going on kind of exceeding, not exactly our wildest dreams because that's a little much, but (laughs) exceeding our expectations. And that's a good thing. I agree. I mean, that's been the the interesting thing about being on Rangers Twitter, you know, for the last few games is people, the word fun, the word fun keeps turning up, which was not a word we saw a lot of last season. And it is, it is fun to watch them. It's, you you know, every single time they enter the ozone, you're just like, what are they going to do? And what is it going to be? And, And you know, even if it doesn't go in, it's gorgeous. So many times surprising and beautiful and you know, what, what else can you want from a team really? So, yeah, I mean, I think we do have to value that. 
I think that's a great way to end the podcast. Just positive because Beth is so negative all the time and she's never calm. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Honestly, oh, boy. I would have been. Why do you think been, I drank all the wine, Joe? To calm me. Because you think Jimmy oh, is a bust? Um, <laughs> I would have bet any amount of money that we would not have been this high on the team four games in. Uh, even in our season preview that we did last week, I think the the best that we got was just basically being like, hey, hopefully we're more competitive than we think we're going to be. And I think it's, it's, it's clear that the Rangers are at a different level, at least for right now. And that's a really good thing. It, it's a, a really, really good thing. I don't know how sustainable it is, but again, at worst, this is a rebuilding year. It's just kind of a retooling year and, that's a scary thing to say because of Henrik Lundqvist, but from a non-loyalty standpoint, the Rangers have some unbelievable talent in the pipeline. And they have a, a kid in Sheskarin. I'm probably butchering his name, but that's how I'm going with it, who is know, dominating at the, at the KHL level. You're talking about against men. And that's a big deal. So I think the organization is moving in the right place. I, I think that there's some big decisions that need to be made over the course of the next couple of days and weeks. And Vigneault's going to make the wrong one because that's <laughs> what he does. But um, not everything's going to be perfect. And if the biggest thing that we have an issue with is the way that, that McElrath is being used and or not used and whether or not Dan Girardi and Nick Holden are playing uh, – so long as the offense keeps doing what the offense is doing, I, I think we're going to be very happy. So that is that. That is the uh, this is the twentieth podcast, guys. This is kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and the the first podcaster I was singing delightfully until both of you ruined it. Um, Michael, you ruined that yourself. Cheated on us. He's a filthy cheater, and he wrote a New York Rangers story for today's slap shop. It was he like watching that. your ex-girlfriend hey, who broke up with you for no reason just making out with another guy. It was terrible. Oh, um, I have rent to pay, Joe. I hate that. Don't you? Me too. Uh, <laughs> so you can read him at Today's Slapshot where he does mostly Riveter stuff with some New York Rangers stuff. You can also read him at Blue Shirt Panther and blueshirtpanther.com slash Riveters where you can read me and Beth as well. Um, you can follow Beth at Twitter.com slash Beth Macklin. Mike at Nasty Dig Macklin. Deep, <laughs> Deep BSB <laughs> and me at Blue Shirt Panther. Um, unless iTunes is kicking us off, please go like us there. Give us five stars. Leave a nice little comment. It helps a lot more than you guys know. Buy shirts. If you don't buy shirts, Mike is going to smack me in the face. And if you want to see Mike slap me in the face, buy a shirt and then he'll slap me in the face. Um, we had a great great meetup at opening night like 25 people came out for the meeting of the minds as I call it it was pretty awesome um, so the next time that we all go to a game we were talking about it before we'll let you guys know uh, I think that's really it we'll be back on Wednesday next week because I don't think the Rangers play on Wednesday and uh, yeah puppies rule we also didn't talk about religion today until this very moment <laughs> so I think we did pretty good anything you guys want to add before we kick off Religion's really interesting. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Um, if you so want to buy you a show, you can find it in my. Uh, it's named my after Odin. It's Odin's Day, Wednesday. 
Oh, okay, this is now. I want to go on record as having nothing to do with any of this in spite of the wine. Uh, and you think that Jim Reese is a bust? Thursday's named mm-hmm. after Thor. More Norse. <laughs> we love all of you very much. We're sorry that it's, this has become like this. Goodbye. Good night. Sure Monday's named after somebody. <laughs> <laughs>